The following podcast was produced by attorneys licensed to practice law in Indiana. The laws vary state by state, so if you have a legal question, contact a qualified attorney in your area. The information in this podcast is for educational and informational purposes only and should not be relied on as legal advice. Hello, welcome back to the Indy Law Pod. My name is Matt Bigler, former deputy prosecutor and current personal injury attorney at Leidendorf Law. This is going to be a quick hit of our uh, podcast by lawyers for people who may not have a legal education. We received a request from a listener, uh, Sarah, to talk about social media and it's how it's used by attorneys. Talking to me about this is my friend, Mark Lopez of the Mark Lopez Law Firm in Indianapolis. Mark, thanks for joining us again. It's always a pleasure and I appreciate you having me, Matt. So... Two things I want to talk about with social media. First off is how do you use social media in your criminal practice uh, as far as uh, working up cases? So working up cases, whenever there is a, a witness, usually one of the first things we do is try to find them on social media. And um, I'm amazed at just the treasure trove of information I find, particularly regarding domestic violence cases, any type there's a, a battery, um, victims, the complaining witnesses, as I call them, We'll just post some of the most insane things on there, and um, it's definitely maybe necessarily not necessarily incriminating, but it makes my case easier to defend my clients because people just feel that you put something online, it's only for them and their friends' use. But most of the time, anybody can access this. Anybody who's listened to the podcast with Yana has heard you uh, repeat your plead the fifth uh, advice many a time. How does that uh, work with social media and your clients? Yeah, you can play the fifth all you want, but if you go admit it on Facebook or <laughs> YouTube, it totally cancels it out. It's crazy. So you can't plead the fifth and then also at the same time, I did it, I'll do it again on social media because police will find these things. Um, I know that when I was a prosecutor, the interns had a fake Facebook account and they would just go on there and try to find uh, defendants and if they're saying anything. And I know for a fact, some people were definitely some of the information we used against them, and you—it's just comical. Smart people do stupid things with social media. And, and to be—and I guess put more of a fine point in that, um, I don't think the state's allowed to to do a fake profile where they can like try to add people as friends and try to dig making personal interactions over Facebook. Like catfishing, no, right. yeah, can't but do if, that. But if somebody has an open profile, it's game on because it's open to the public absolutely and i don't think that anyone in the prosecutor's office was was catfishing or trying to add as add a defendant as a friend but this was more of a oh i'm gonna type their name into facebook and we're gonna happen to put an attractive female on the profile picture um it's just it's it's it, you know, what you're talking about ethical minefields too and that's another problem that you run into with social media posts rules of evidence still apply but also lawyers are bound by rules of ethics that are specific to our profession and one of the very first cases that dealt with this was a family law attorney who basically didn't tell his client to turn off social media. He told her to delete it and destroy it and like go into the archives and get rid of it. And she did that. And I believe he got disbarred for basically destroying evidence. Right. You can tell them, yeah, don't post, go, go dark. Yes. You can't tell them to eliminate any like evidence like you would anything else. Or like you can't tell them to eliminate you know, any other evidence. Um, and I can say as a, as a prosecutor, I would take, you know, if a, especially doing the drunk driving, if I had a defendant, particularly with the fatals where I had you know, fewer defendants, first thing I do is go to Twitter, you know, Periscope, YouTube, Facebook, anything to where just to have that one in a million chance of, you know, they check in at X bar 
they have a video of them doing whatever. And you've seen this in cases across the country where oh, someone's, yeah. you know, they're posting a, a video of themselves driving 110 miles an hour while hammered. You know, that girl that killed her little sister in a crash oh, was man. talking about being all high driving and her sister dies uh, because she crashed. I mean, that stuff is someone shot their boyfriend. And useful evidence. That. You know, one of, I, I always joke with my very first boss that the reason he gave me a job was because uh, we were suing a defendant for a car crash. And this is back in the day when I did that type law. And I found Facebook posts that basically she was getting drunk every weekend. And one day she was even had a bottle of booze, a picture of a bottle of booze in her vehicle the day before when she allegedly hit my client. And um, that all, we got all of that, printed it all off and settled that case. So social media is a minefield and it's a great way to get to know somebody without having to call them into your office or an investigative tool. Oh, and, and the civil defense term uh, firms use that as well. I mean, they will just like the old, timers you know surveilling plaintiffs to make sure they're not you know malingering or faking their injuries you know they'll be looking because if you're saying that you know i have vertigo because of this post-concussive syndrome uh and whatnot then they find out that you're posting that you just rode all the roller coasters at king's island they're gonna be looking you know they're looking for it. they're looking for anything they can to you know weaken the plaintiff's case so yeah you got to be very careful about what you use i mean even you know even stuff that can be taken out of context it'll happen if someone says, you know, thank God for a blessed day or this is a you know perfect day, that could be because a child was born. But without context, someone could see it and say, oh, they say they're feeling great. How can they say they're in pain? You know, it just even stuff that's innocuous can be used against you. Most jury trials in Indiana or I'm sorry, in Indianapolis, you get the, the juror, the prospective juror list the morning of. So there's no real chance to do any background information. Which is not how the rest of the state works. But yes, the morning of you get that jury list and it is... But just about everywhere else, you get a jury list a week or two weeks out. And so when you get those kind of cases, you're able to do Facebook research there to see oh, like God. who so, knows who, uh, background, like demographics on any, you know, whatever you're looking for in your jury. We actually have a protocol at this law firm that we follow when we get the jury list. Usually the Friday before the jury, usually we have about seven days. So we have an actual protocol. We go and investigate those individuals and check various sources because we want to know as much as possible because... Most DUIs, I'm going to get in 20 minutes with that jury, so I have to walk in there with as much as possible. And um, Marion County is the only exception I've dealt with so far with this morning of with mad dash. Oh, it's insane. You're making judgments off of people's hair colors. It's like insane. And so, yeah, we use social media there, too, is to you know get back on information of, of, of jurors. And this kind of leads to the next question. There was a case... You know, how is this used by, by the courts in like jury selection? Because you, know, you can have Facebook friends with people grade school with, youth group with, you know, summer camp, college, and, you know, your, your best friends currently. You know, you can have, I know people, you know, thousands of Facebook friends. And so one of my good friends is on my jury pool. Not a good person. You know, he'll be struck because he's naturally going to be assumed to be biased one way or the other. How does it work with Facebook friends and juries and that kind of thing? You know, I'm assuming the judge has to call a lot of shots at that point. You know, how close are they related? Or, you know, Facebook will tell you, hey, you have one mutual friend in contact with this person. That's going to be a different standard than somebody who is, you know, 400 mutual content, mutual contacts. Um, any type of rule you try to apply, it's a strict rule, it's going to be inevitably broken. And this stuff is dynamic and changing all the time. I have not had to deal with anything like that with this Facebook. I mean, lots of other things going on, but anything in your experience? How a judge would approach that? I don't know. There was a case that I've seen. This was from a couple of years ago where it was an attorney was Facebook friends with one of the jurors. I don't remember what county this was in. 
and they didn't find out about it till after the, the conviction. And so they, there was an appeal on that issue of should the juror have been struck, should there have been a mistrial, retrial, and what have you. Um, and the court found that it wasn't necessary using the facts of that case because when they dug into it, they were Facebook friends, but there was nothing, nothing to indicate that they were close. I mean, some people use Facebook for their business. They're selling you know something on the side or that you know people that they went to high school with they haven't seen in 10 years and haven't communicated with. Yeah. They just you know, are Facebook friends with you know hundreds or thousands of people. So at least the, the law in Indiana, as I understand it, is just being Facebook friends with somebody does not inherently imply a bias. Maybe it's something to consider. You know, it's something that should be disclosed if people even know it, because it's like, you know, if you're a realtor, you might have, you might do a request to everybody that you've ever sold a house to. You may just not remember you sold this yeah. person's cousin a house and got, you know, whatever. So it's just, it's not cut and dry that it is, but I mean, it, it could be problematic in certain circumstances that they find out that people are, you know, actually friends, but it's just a different, it's a different world with social media. My, my experience is, you know. You know, Matt, you know how small the legal world is, and so you see the same people, especially in the criminal side, you see the same people every day. And so I'll have these waves where I'm friends with court staff, and then a week or two later, they're not my friends anymore. I'll talk to them. Hey, what's going on? Judges said that we can't be Facebook friends with the attorneys, and then the next week they're back on there. Judge changed his mind. And so I have this, like, constant flux, and I don't know who's making it. I don't take anything personally. Um but it's just, it's funny how these things go and like how, oh, we can't do this today or do that today. And people are thinking about this. And I appreciate that because, you know, I'm Facebook friends, a lot of prosecutors. That doesn't yeah. mean they're going to give me a break. And so I wouldn't want those guys on my jury. So I would <laughs> specifically be trying to get them off. Facebook is a, a social media tool. And you, uh, don't think you should read too much into that. Yeah. And one other thing to think about with Facebook is people get a lot of courage. On Facebook, oh, things man. they type. And so there's some interplay there with you know, libel laws, with slander laws. And this has come up in a recent case. Are you familiar with the case I'm talking about? Yeah, where the uh, woman accused another person of stealing her truck. Something like that, yeah. yeah. Um, it was, I don't remember all the, the particulars about it, but somebody had, something happened to her truck, or she was accusing somebody, and she accused a specific person of stealing the truck, as I recall it. Which apparently wasn't true. And apparently she should have known better, and so she was sued for libel, or slander. Did it stick? I, I do believe it did. <laughs> I do believe it did, and I believe she's on the hook for some money. Yeah. And uh, accusing somebody of a criminal act is serious. And I mean, you know, you talk about people acting tough on Facebook. I always love that cartoon with the two Rottweilers are barking at each other, and then their chain comes off. They both look at each other and go the other way <laughs> because everyone's tough online, and um, there are consequences. And this is a new, different way. Of using, you know, slander and libel laws, basically false statements. You can't be doing that. And you you can do it. You shouldn't do it. It was a real thing. And there's consequences for that type of actions. And the, and the same, you know, with Facebook or with anything else, the same, you know, libel and slander rules apply as far as, you know, truth as a defense. You know, if the guy actually did steal the truck, it's not a problem for her to publicize it. Um, and she has to be acting in, you know, actual malice or with, you know, careless disregard for the truth. Uh, or knowing that the truth or knowing what she's saying is false, those same things apply. And, you know, exactly what you said, you know, people are tough and, you know, they can come back and bite them really hard. What actually impresses me about this case, though, is the the guts of the guy to bring it. Because you, you're not going to have a 
unless she's a, a reporter somehow, you're not going to have a, a slander policy. You know, you're not going to have a slander insurance policy. No, if sure. You know, your homeowners isn't going to cover it. So it's a be a personal judgment. And unless she's independently wealthy, the guy doesn't get any practical redress for his grievances other than making the point. So, you know, good for him to bring the case or whoever, if he had an attorney, whoever his attorney was to bring that case and, and make his point and, you know, impress the issue because that's how law gets made sometimes on these, these kind of cases where you're not going to get a chance to do it. You know, social media's been around, Facebook's been around for 13 years, 14 years. Yeah. It's crazy to think about that, but it hasn't always been around. Yeah. And this is the first one in Indiana where they've had, you know, a case on the issue and, and certainly someone's been libeled before on Facebook or slandered before on Facebook. I almost, I almost would like, just on that vein, I can almost guarantee you the lawyer that brought that, the person didn't have an insurance policy, he probably had some slander libel in his life, and he probably wanted to make a point with whoever. Yeah. Um, that's a fair, That's a really good point. Uh, yeah, that's interesting, though. All right. Um, anything else about social media you want to hit uh, before we go? Just like everything else, always plead the fifth. Don't admit doing crime <laughs> to social media. All right. Thanks, Mark Lopez of the Mark Lopez Law Firm. Give us your contact information, Mark. Yeah, Mark Lopez, Mark with a C, 317-632-3642. You can just Google Mark Lopez. I promise you'll find me. Uh, thank you, Sarah, for the question about social media. hope we helped answer it. If you have any questions or comments about this podcast or have any ideas for topics you'd like us to discuss, you can email me at IndieLawPod at gmail.com. Thanks and have a great day.